impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show on the internet, teaching you how to get your message out, build your audience. And today I have Kimberly Whitecamp with us. Kimberly is a copywriter, but she's not just one of those direct response copywriters that tells you to build a great headline. She actually focuses on how to get people into your audience, build relationship with them before you sell them, which I think is very valuable. It's one of the reasons that I focus on stories so much. Super excited to have Kimberly here. Now, Kimberly is going to tell you about being a copywriter, but what you don't know is that she started off teaching English in Spain. I was going to say Ireland. I don't know where I, I was like, but they speak English. Don't they, they speak English there. Yes. <laughs> you were speaking, you were teaching English to English speakers. Perfect. There you go. Isn't that, well, I mean, that's what English in high school is. Anyway. It's true. Kimberly, <laughs> tell us how, well, like, cause I know people out there are like, how do you become a copywriter? And I mean, obviously you enjoyed words, you were teaching English, but that doesn't mean that you knew how to write copy. So talk to us about how you got started in this. How, how did you get to where you are today? Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on, Steve. I'm super excited to talk to you today. And uh, how did I get started with copywriting? Well, fun story. I was teaching English uh, in Spain to, you know, English as a second language. I was looking to get out of that. And I got this email in my inbox and it said job opportunity, not spam. And my mother sent it to me. So there's a, a good lesson for anyone listening on uh, the power of marketing and the power of the from line, right? You're going to open your emails for mom. Uh, and, you know, it was intriguing enough and I opened it and it was actually about travel writing because I was living in a foreign country and traveling every weekend, basically. And uh, I fell in love with the idea. I finished the program in like a weekend. I got published within a month. Uh, and I quickly realized though, that travel writing does not pay enough to actually be like a living unless you literally don't want to ever have a home base. Uh, you know, it's great for retirement, but it's not great for, for making a living at. And uh, the same company that did uh, the travel writing program also had a direct response copywriting program uh, to get trained and certified in direct response copywriting. And I'd kind of heard the phrase before, didn't know much about it. Uh, saw a couple of emails and saw one of the top travel writers they would talk about was also a copywriter. That was their quote unquote day job. Uh, so joined the program, fell in love, uh, basically consumed anything and everything I could find on how to become a great copywriter and writing great copy and went from there. So, okay. I have to ask some questions. First off. <laughs> no, no questions are allowed. Done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how many, because, okay, I'm, I, like I've read a lot of stuff on copy. I've taken courses, but like my hardest thing is sitting down and writing. Like my emails are usually 150 to 200 words because that's mm -hmm. like, that's a lot. That's like me, like working <laughs> on it. Right. But I yeah. hear about these copywriters. I know they're out there that just sit down and words just, you know, flow out of them like a river and they end up with, you know, a 2000 word article and then they write a travel article and then they do some client work and then they drink some coffee and all that's before like 8am. Is that like what your work day is? 
Uh, no, my workday doesn't start until 9am <laughs> on most days. I am not that person who's going to get up at five or before the sun rises so you can get all of your good stuff in. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not a morning person for the most part, but I do tend to write in the mornings, right? So like between that nine to noon. Uh, so what does my, my average day look like? You know, there are better times for people to do writing, uh, depending on their energy and depending on their focus level, I find. Uh, so I ask people, you know, when do you feel the most focused? When do you feel the most inspired? Uh, cause if you're trying to write something and you're tired and you're exhausted and it's four 15 and it needs to go out at four 30, guess what? It's going to be a struggle and it's not going to be that great. It's better for you to know your own, like when's your best time and set it aside to do the writing. So, I mean, I send out a lot of emails. Anyone that's on my list, I, I email five to seven times a week, but I will tell you like my struggle, I'm inspired when I'm like out running and I'm like, that's a great idea for an email. And then I get home and I write like two sentences and then I have to go make a cup of coffee and then I write another two words and then like I have to do the laundry and then like two more words. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, now I've got client calls for six hours, which are awesome. But right. it, honestly, like I, to it, Kimberly and I were on a group call for JVology a little bit this morning, right? And I mm -hmm. had to jump off because I have too much work going on. And I was like, I have to get this email done. Did the email go out? If you had to guess. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to go didn't. with this story now. <laughs> it didn't because I was like, oh my goodness, I've got, I got to do this podcast. So my question to you, I feel inspired. How do you, how do you, this is this is completely selfish on my behalf. How do you like chain your fingers to the keyboard to get the words to not to, to like laundry's not calling me or you know So oh. I have a hack for anyone out there who feels they're not a great writer or they don't have time or they have a struggle with getting the words on paper. You said something. You said you usually find it when you're out running, right? So I'm going to guess that one of the items you have on you is earbuds and a phone when you go running. Is that is that accurate? No. No, no phone? No phone. I don't run with my phone. I don't I don't do anything with my phone because if I'm around my phone, it is the anti antithesis. That's the antithesis word I'm looking for. Antithesis of getting, of getting done. anything done. So my phone is gotcha. in the other room right now. Um, <laughs> All right. Just... Well, if you do run with your phone, what I would say, or start bringing a notebook or something, uh, I find it really easy for a lot of people who struggle with getting words out. Um, copy, really great copy, especially copy that's, you know, for marketing purposes, for relationship building purposes, it sounds like you talking. So what should you do? Whip out your phone, whip out something that has an app called Otter. It's completely free and start yapping at your phone and it'll make a transcript for you. And you might have to do some editing, but it'll be pretty close to what you actually want to use. And that's a great starting point because when we sit down to actually write, uh, it's a different part of our brain. But when we just talk to people, it's another uh, section and it's so much easier for us to have conversations, but really great emails. Really great copy. Sounds like a conversation. You want to get that head nod. People kind of nodding along being like, yep, that's me. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. So uh, one of the easiest ways to kind of break that barrier is to talk. And since we have AI-based uh, transcription abilities now, talking to your phone and then use that as a rough draft. That's, I mean, that is a great idea. I do use Otter. Um, and I do, I do sometimes because it, it, staring at a blank page is never any fun, right? So having a yeah. template or having an otter transcription or having something works really well. Okay, enough of what I, my questions. I want to hear more about <laughs> your story. So 
you started writing travel blog articles and you learned, I, I can't make a living. So I have to learn this stuff called direct response copy. So you started learning that. Um, what is different between what you do and normal direct response? Because all the direct response I was trained in is like headline and bullets, right? Headline bullets, outcome, maybe agitate some pain in there somewhere, mm-hmm. throw a testimonial in for good good luck, but you do something (laughs) completely different. So talk a little bit, what's the difference? Because I know anyone listening is like, well, this direct response copy, either I don't want to sound like that, or I can't write like that. Or my audience, I hear my audience is different. My audience doesn't resonate with that. Right. I hear that all the time. Uh, yeah. So to answer your question, um, I got the fundamentals. I got the basic training. I got, you know, here's, here's the foundations, if you will, uh, indirect response copywriting, uh, at the same time, I was taking a course um, on specifically copywriting for the web. And they are very two different animals. And this is why. Direct response copywriting is the stuff that you get in your inbox, except it's not in your inbox. You get it in the mailbox. And it's what we call junk mail, right? You you take two seconds to look at it and you throw it in the trash. Um, And that is what people are thinking of. That interaction is how they're thinking when they're talking about direct response, right? You have to interrupt pretty much anything else going on in someone's life and make an impact within like a half second. Whereas when you're copywriting for the web, the way people interact online is completely different. They know they have a problem. They're looking for help. They're looking for a solution. So the way you write can be a lot more conversational. It can be a lot more interactive. It can be a lot more engaging. You don't have to put as much effort and time into I have to interrupt everything because they're actively looking for what you're talking about. That's the way we work online, right? If you've got a question, you're like, Ugh, I'm struggling. Uh, my sink broke. What could possibly be wrong? Most likely you picked up your phone and said, hey, Google. Hey, Siri. Hey, Alexa. Um, how do you fix a broken sink? Or how do you figure out what's wrong with a broken sink? And then you got a bunch of articles or a bunch of websites that answered that exact question. And that is the way people interact. And uh, that's the way people kind of search for things online. And that's how they interact with your marketing online. So it's a very different mindset that the people you're talking to are coming from. So let's talk a little bit about how does that translate to email? Yeah. Because if you're building a tribe, if you're building a community, one of the things that I always tell people with email, right? I'm like, I say the same thing. I'm like, use contractions, using complete sentences, talk like write like you would talk. And it's way more important to be interesting and fun than yes. it is to like, because if you show up just trying to sell crap, right? Then you're the encyclopedia salesman knocking on somebody's <laughs> door, which right? is nobody wants that. So talk to me a little bit about how this translates because I know people right there, like from what you just said, are like, I'm not a blog writer. I don't make videos. I don't have time for that crap. I, everybody and their mom tried blogging, right? Oh, I tried mm. being a blogger. Nobody read anything. Well, that's because you suck at SEO, but that's a whole different conversation. And there's like a billion blogs in the world. There's right. that too. <laughs> so you finally get somebody on your list. How do you build that person into a community? And then how do you, how do you sell? Because it's, I agree, it's not about direct marketing. It's not about you know, you have more than half a second. You have, in my opinion, I'd love if you have thoughts on this, you have like three to 10 emails to that person is like, what's this guy about? And like your, mm-hmm. you, whatever they signed up for your lead magnet or however you got them there has to be decent. And then you have a couple emails. They're going to open a couple. They're going to pay attention for the next couple of days to see what shows up. So do you agree with that? Not agree? 
What are your thoughts? Absolutely, I agree. And that is where people fall down. Uh, so many of us, if you look at anything out there in the world of marketing about how to market, what do you what do you see? How to get more leads, how to build your email list, how to get more people, how to get more subscribers. It's all about how to get them to that first step, but it doesn't talk about what do you do afterwards. So they're on your list. Well, here's the thing. Number one, with a bullet, I want everyone out there to remember right now, if they signed up to hear from you, guess what? They want to hear from you. So <laughs> you should be sending them emails and you should be consistent with it. And you should not be worried about, well, I don't want to bother people. Guess what? They sign up to hear from you. They know you're going to message them. You should be sending them stuff. It's not a bother because they asked to hear about your particular magic sauce, whatever that is. Number two is you need a welcome series. As you said, right, you've got about three to 10 emails to build that relationship. So they get on your list, you give them whatever they asked for to get on your list. And then you need to let them know who you are, what you do, how you can help people. And you do that over the course of five to seven emails with a very specific end goal in mind so that you're building that relationship. You're letting them know who you are. You're showcasing your expertise and you're showcasing Remember, these emails may be the only interaction they have with you before saying, yes, I want to get into your coaching program, right? So what you need to do is your marketing should be a reflection of what it's like to work with you, which means it needs to sound like you. It needs to, you know, reflect the way you speak about things. And it, of course, needs to showcase your expertise as to why you're uh, great at what you do and how you can help people achieve the goal that they want. Okay. So I've got, I got two things. The okay. first one, I a hundred percent agree. I tell people all the time, um, anyone who's listened to this, I used to date this life coach like four years ago and she had a list, but she was like, nobody ever buys anything. I said, well, how often do you email them? And she's like, once a month, I don't want to spam them. And I was like, are you kidding? I was like three to five times a week. Get on that. Like they want to hear from you. Oh, I don't want to bother anybody. I, and this, this comes back to an overwhelming, not overwhelming underlying issue of, mm -hmm you like, it's not about them unsubscribing. It's not about what other people think about you, but everybody is scared to death. Like I, I teach how to speak on stage. And the number one thing I hear from a lot of people, oh, I can never do that. How do you enjoy doing that? Because I don't give a two craps <laughs> what somebody cares. Like if they yes. like me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a likable person. But if they don't like me or if they don't vibe with what I'm saying, I don't take it personally. And I'm not, I don't care if somebody judges me because that has nothing to do with me. The minute you can make that line in the sand, you don't care. And you realize the second thing I would say is if you're sending emails to somebody, it's because you feel like you have something important to say. Yes. If you don't, if like, those would be the two things. And actually that came from Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone, he was one of the first people I listened to in 2014. I, he was one of the only people that was putting stuff on YouTube at the time. And he, um, well, only marketers, but he said like, <laughs> if you're not crystal clear and if you don't a hundred percent believe in what you're selling, then you're going to hide it. Right. Because you don't feel good. You're self-conscious about it. And I was like, Oh, that's so true. And I think that mm -hmm. that rings true. So if you're not emailing, I want to back up Kimberly's point here because it is 100% true. You should be emailing a lot. You, they should hear from you. If they don't want to, they will let you know by one of two things. Either they won't open your email. How many emails does the average person have in their inbox that is unopened? Probably 20, 21,490. I don't know. I was going to say 20. No, no, no. 20,000 is a lot more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Like a ton. So they're just going to ignore you, which is okay. 
The second thing is they'll hit that little button that says unsubscribe. And you know what? That actually is going to save you like 10 cents a month. So be happy because they didn't want to hear from you. The, the other thing that I'll say is think about your email box. I know everybody out there is like, oh yeah, I have like 20,000 unread emails, right? Well, your goal and the easiest way to get to the top of the inbox is to send an email because then they'll see a subject line, right? If you send <laughs> yes. one email a month, how often, like what happens if if that was the day they didn't look at their email or if that was the day they got 500 other emails? They're not gonna see it. But if you're emailing three to five times a week, the chances of them opening one is better. I will say when I went from emailing once or twice a week to five to seven times a week, my email open rate went from 13 to 15 to present percent to over 20%. And everyone thinks it's the opposite. I'm going to stop preaching though, because I want to, I want to talk about, you said on the second one, right? Hmm. Your goal is to let people know what your expertise is and to communicate with them. I think what a lot of people hear is I have to sell my shit. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I, I said, you need to build a relationship with them. <laughs> Well, that's, I want you to talk to that because I think that is what the re another reason that people have a hard time emailing is because they're just here, buy my stuff. Oh, I got this for sale. Oh, I'm doing this summit Buy this. How do you build a relationship? Because I think this is key. And I, I, it's one of the hardest things that I have. I just tell people to tell stories. I'm like, tell stories, but you can probably explain it a lot better because you were teaching English to the Irish. Because I was teaching English to the Irish. That's great. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, one of the things I say is the easiest method for you to build a relationship with people is to let people know you're a real person. Now, most people are like, well, of course I'm a real person. Well, if you are using a template in which you literally only replace the verbs that you need to change, I call it Mad Lib marketing, right? Uh, if you've ever played Mad Libs before, you get all these random blanks. I need a noun. I need a verb. I need a fruit right? And then you read it out and it makes absolutely no sense. And it's a little bit ridiculous, right? That's what happens when you base your entire marketing on, I'm going to take this template. I'm only going to replace the bare minimum. And then I'm going to send it because what happens is it doesn't sound like you. People don't know who you are. Who are you? Why are you different? I don't know. I've seen this exact same email 15 other places because everyone's using the same, the same template and they're not changing anything to make it sound like them. So number one is it needs to sound like you, which is another reason why I tell people if you struggle with writing, just record yourself talking about a topic. Uh, get a friend to ask you the questions on Zoom and take the transcript because when we're talking to friends, it's a lot different when we're talking to you know our boss or something. Um, and number two is that you need to be in the emails too. It's not just about your expertise. And here's what I mean. I'm a copywriter, right? I'm a marketing strategist. There are literally thousands of them in the world. Thousands, absolutely thousands. Thousands of people who do what I do. You can hire any of them to write copy for you. The reason why people work with me is because they like working with me. They know who I am. They know the way I work with people and they understand how I'm going to approach a problem and they like me. And so if you don't put yourself in your emails, you're hiding the exact thing that is going to draw people to you. In the world of marketing, you've probably heard of the phrase, no like and trust. People have to know you, they have to like you, they have to trust you. An easy way for you to build that connection is to share some of the things you do that have nothing to do with your business. So there's an entrepreneur I follow. He loves beer. 
He talks about going to breweries. He talks about brewing his own beer. He loves beer. He'll bring up beer in random emails and then he'll relate it to whatever he needs to relate it to for his topic. Another person she's doing a, um, uh, the mutter race where like you, you run through a bunch of mud and it's like insane and extreme. And I would never want to do it. She's talking about her journey training for this tough mutter. That's what it's called. She's talking about her journey training for this. And of course she's relating it to what she talks about business marketing, whatever that is. Right. So what I say is pick your three personal items. What are three things you are happy to talk about? You love talking about, and you're happy to talk about that with strangers. It does not mean you have to go deep and find your deep, dark secrets, right? If you don't want to talk about your kids, don't talk about your kids, but do you like walks on the beach? Do you like pina coladas? Do you like dancing in the rain? <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> so I think that that is really, I, I agree, but I'm going to dig a little bit more because mm. I want some more info. How do you, the number one question I get about this kind of stuff is how do I tie that into selling stuff? And I know my answers, but I'm going to let you answer it because I think you're going to have a different take. So there's a couple of different ways you can tie it into to selling stuff. There are emails that you send out that are strictly to build a relationship, right? You tell people what's up in your life. You say, hey, by the way, uh, this reminded me of a lesson I've learned about marketing. Um, so you can relate pretty much anything that happens in your life to what you teach on. And when you can relate that, it, it sticks more in our heads, right? Because as you say, a story is important and stories sell and stories make us remember things. So that's one way to do it. Another way uh, you can make it an easy sell, if you will, is what I call the PS. And it doesn't stand for postscript. It stands for passive selling. And that's just a gentle reminder to people about how you can help them when you're ready. And it literally sounds like this. PS, when you're ready to work with me, here's four ways I can help you. Way number one is something free. Way number two is something, uh, a low ticket item. Way number three is uh, if you have a course. And way number four can be um, uh, if you want something custom, if you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, let's, let's get on a chat. So it's a reminder that you have a business, that you do this. It's a gentle way of telling people, I, I do have a lot of different ways I can help you depending on what works for you. But you have that story, you have that personal stuff, you have whatever you're sharing about, the resource you're talking about, the tips and tricks and uh, you know behind the scenes secrets that you've just shared in your email. And it's a one-off. Hey, by the way, when you're ready, here's some things I can help you with. And then of course you have your sales emails. Those are the ones that are strictly for selling like during a launch or during a promo campaign where you're gonna lead to a direct sale. The idea is that you need to have a balance and you don't want to be, you know, buy my crap, buy my crap, buy my crap, every single email. Because when you do that, that's a really great way for you to be like, I don't open this email and get value from it because all it ever is, is go to the sales page. Well, that's okay. So you just brought up value. And this is, um, this is something that I want to point out to people, which you, I mean, you just framed it really well, but value is not buy my stuff, right? We mm -hmm. like, coaches, consultants, authors, digital entrepreneurs, whatever, like these people in this space see value a lot of times at the beginning as, well, I'll give them value if they buy my stuff or if they get on my list or if they consume my thing. That is not what Joe or Jill sitting in front of their computer or reading their phone is thinking of value. They're thinking of, does it make me laugh? Does it make me cry? Does it entertain me? Because that's what people, 98% of the population is looking for entertainment. That's even if they are a buyer, right? If they're mm -hmm. going to buy your stuff, they have to be entertained first. That's why people watch on average three to five hours of TV a day. I don't watch any TV, 
but the average person does. And the average person is know your market. If they watch yes. movies, if they watch kids TV show, if they're like, think about it, they're looking, you like reading emails. You're listening to this podcast right now because it's entertaining. Yeah, there's some knowledge in it. We're having fun, but it's also entertaining. It has to do both. You have to keep their, their interest. So I want to go back to the onboarding sequence because I think everybody has heard of this, right? If you've been in, mm. in business for more than a week, you've heard you need an onboarding sequence. But chances are it's either templatized, it doesn't exist, or it's not like it's not getting the results that you want. So you said it needs to lead to a clear outcome, right? So talk to me, is that like a high ticket sale? Is that a low ticket sale? Is that a continued readership? What when you're working with a client, how do you lay that out? Absolutely. So first I'm going to challenge you on everyone's heard of an onboarding sequence. The majority of my clients, they've been in business for a number of years and they're like, I never thought of that. Wow. So one of the things I want to make really clear to everyone listening is that what might be really obvious to you about what you do and how you help people is like beyond basic knowledge for most of the people you're working with, most of the people you're looking to connect with. We know so much, right? There, there's a phrase, something like, a, I know more about XYZ than anyone can forget in a lifetime or something because we know so much about it. But we have to remember that the people who are joining our world may not know as much. So introducing new concepts, you know, your emails don't have to be a, a lifetime's worth of information about this particular topic, right? The one thing, or even a subset of a subset of a subset of a tip that you can share is still going to have value to people. So that's one thing I want to uh, remind people of listening, right? Is that uh, we know a lot about our specialty, but other people may not. And then to answer your question about uh, the onboarding sequence and how it can work, uh, remember, you get to run your business. It is your business. You get to choose who is in it, who you work with, what it looks like, and nobody else does. So I find a lot of people fall into comparanoia, right? Uh, there must be a one right way to do this, or so-and-so has a 50% has a open rate on this. I need to match that. Your success, the one action you want people to take is based off of what you want. So when you get people to join your email list, what do you want them to be ready to do within a week? That's my question for people. Are you wanting them to be ready to join your community, free or paid? Are you wanting them ready to get on a call with you? Are you wanting them ready to uh, take your, uh, you know, um, your, your inexpensive course and get a little bit more in depth as to what you do? Do they need to have that course and understanding before they're ready to work with you one-on-one? -on -one? What does success look like for you? So when I ask about a welcome series, I have people define what the success metric is for their email marketing. Right? It's not, oh, I need people to say yes to my launch. Obviously, we want that to happen. But within that first five to seven emails, what do you want to happen? You want five new people in your community a month. You want 10 new students in your evergreen course a month. You want at least one person to get on a call with you a month. What do you want? Use that as you're mapping the win, right? What is the win you want at the end of that welcome series? And then create it to lead to that. That's, that is really really meaningful. I think people out there, the one thing that I have seen done wrong, which I think you're, you're alluding to is they either, they don't have an onboarding or if they do, I've seen people who write like an eight step onboarding and they offer them eight different products. 
Um, <laughs> and that's that I feel like it's a scattershot approach. You might have somebody take action on one, but I think it is much better to, if you, this is a lesson, like I'll share this story. I've shared it on here before, but I'll share it again because I think it's, it illustrates the point. The first email marketing that I did, I sent the exact same email Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for three months selling a $2,000 live event. And I sold out the live event doing it. I know that this is not how I would do it today at all, but it was mm. the same email. And I was like, well, I'll just keep pressing send. And <laughs> I did, I didn't like, I changed, I did change the subject line. I'm not saying this is what to do. This is probably what not to do. But the lesson was people that came to the event, I had, I think three or four of them were like, you know, I wasn't sure whether I was going to come to your event, but you just kept making the offer to me. So I bought it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad I did. Um, those people are still like, this was 2014. So a long time ago, um, that event had 30 people in it. Out of those 30 people, I still keep in touch with more than 20 of them. Um, they've gone on to buy stuff. Like it, I'm the, there are a couple lessons in there. The first one is imperfect action beats perfect action. Every time the Absolutely. first, the first email I sent, um, had 27 spelling errors, <laughs> which is atrocious. I thought the program I was using had a spell checker. It didn't, I did fix the spelling errors, but then I just resent the same email, right? Um, I literally, one lady commented, she was like, there are 27 spelling errors, blah, 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 like roasted me, right? So I fixed them and I was like, and I sent it right back to her. I was like, I'm so sorry. Here's the fixed one so that you can read it. There you go. <laughs> she unsubscribed. She was like, Kunk. but the, if you make an offer, do you agree? I guess is the question. It should go towards one singular offer that you want them to do. And it, in my opinion, it should be something lower priced or free. If you, if you immediately send them to a high ticket, the trust isn't there, but that doesn't mean that they might not buy it one day. That's kind of my thoughts. I don't, I don't know. What do you see? Cause I want, I want people listening to this that are like, I haven't done this or I've tried and failed at it or whatever. I want them to leave this interview being like, okay, I know what to do. Do you lay out, tell me like, is there a process? Do you lay out a storyline? Cause I know Russell, like, so everybody knows I worked for ClickFunnels for a while. Russell says like, mm -hmm. it should be one story split across five to seven emails with a hook at the end of each one to get them to open the next one. I mm -hmm. actually don't agree with that anymore. I think because people don't read them in sequential order, right? If that they, correct. okay, I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Do I, do I have a specific, uh, framework, if you will, for welcome series? I do. And I teach it in a workshop, um, and, and help people get their, their welcome series written. But, uh, overall, uh, you asked several questions there, so I hopefully hopefully I'm going to remember them all. Number one is, uh, do I believe uh, you need a welcome series? Yes, that's that's a yes, absolutely. You need one. Uh, is there a wrong way or a right way to do it? I would say you know test, but I I know the method I teach um, works really well, and a lot of people get great stuff and great results from it. Uh, what to lead to? I agree, low ticket is probably best for those first five to seven, just because you're brand new. And that ties into more about who your audience is than anything else. And that's because, uh, you know, there's a common statistic a lot of people will quote, 3% of your audience at any one time is ready to buy. 3%. So 97% of your audience is not ready to buy. 
which means you need to guide them to the next steps until they're ready to buy. So assuming right off the bat, hey, you just joined my list for a free gift. Do you want to sign up for my $10,000 a year coaching program? Um, No, I don't know who you are. I want people to think about how new subscribers get onto your list. So one of the really popular ways that are coming around right now, and I've participated in several of them, is giveaways, right? You've got a free gift. You give your gift away with a lot of other people. Uh, everyone drives traffic. It's a great way to build your list. Well, think about that experience from your customer's perspective. They've just joined 20 different email lists. And all they know about you is that you have a gift on that topic. So the topic I give out is on welcome series, and it's the top seven tips and tricks for crafting the perfect welcome series. All they know about me is that I gave them seven tricks on how to write an email. That's it. That's all they know. So they literally are coming in blind and they joined my list when they joined 20 other people's lists. So if the other 19 people are sending them immediately, hey, come buy something from me and it's expensive and I'm sending them, hey, I want to let you know a little bit about what I do. Here's a resource for you. Here's how you can uh, you know, start implementing this. Have you used the gift I gave you? That's a very different experience. And it's one that's curated for brand new people. That's the key, right? You are creating something that no matter how they join your world, creates a very curated experience for brand new subscribers that leads them to the next step, whatever that next step is. Awesome. So you teed that one up really well, Kimberly. If somebody wants to take your <laughs> workshop, where can they go? Oh, well, the workshop's not currently running. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think uh, the workshop will be in the fall. The page is not up because um, I have to choose a new date. But if they want to learn about welcome series and how to write them, they can get the free gift. <laughs> Where can they go to get the free gift? Absolutely. So they can go to the audienceconverter.com slash giveaway. Uh, and that's uh, crafting the perfect welcome series, top seven tricks to get more opens, more clicks and more engagements from email number one, because the more people open after email number one, the more likely they are to see your opportunities in the future and buy from you. Nice. So all of Kimberly's links will be listed in the show notes as always. So you can always go there and click on them. I think she has laid out a really clear plan for you. It's obvious that she knows what she's talking about. If you need help with your email sequence, I will tell you that it is one of the best things that you can do for your business. Everyone says build a list. 90% of people that have a list never email them or email them very sporadically. And mm -hmm. that's where the money is. Everybody wants money, right? That's why we're in business. You wanna make money. Well, you have to communicate with people. And Kimberly is giving you a very clear cut way to do that, to lead them to a sale, then lead them to a higher ticket and to build relationship with them. Kimberly, I wanna say thank you so much for being on. Do you have any wise words of wisdom before we part? Well, Steve, I wanna say thank you again for the invitation. And my wise words of wisdom are this, uh, make time to email your list at least once a week. You know, Steve's talking about five to seven, that may seem scary, but once every three months is not enough. So make the time to at least get one email out a week so you can start talking with your people and with your audience to start building that connection. And if you don't know what to write about, literally, I want you to start talking into your phone about whatever, and then think of something that you wanted to say to a client, answer a question, what have you, uh, just start, you know, sharing a bit about you and sharing your expertise. Remember, it's all about how can I help you when people are opening your messages, they want to be entertained and they want to get something out of it. Awesome. Those are great words of advice. 
Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on and to everybody else out there. Until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We will see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people, and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show, and we'll see you next time.